hello fellow kids and unfortunately welcome to hello fellow kids i'm josh this is mara and for the ninth episode we read tunnels by roderick gordon and brian williams and uh there's only (laughs) (laughs) there's only one other book i think we've disliked as anywhere near this much and you'll never hear that episode (laughs) My hatred for this book is not as venomous as the other one. It's definitely a different sort of disapproval. But I hate this book. So it's not as venomous (laughs) for you. No, because I came at the other book with a personal venomous hatred for the author. Yes. I know nothing about these two dudes, and I still want nothing to do with them after reading this. Okay. The only word I feel like sums up this book is miserable. It was miserable. There was nothing okay you can write about dark things happening without making it miserable right like lemony snicket's very good at that yes like because series of unfortunate events he tells you straight up like this is not a happy story but it's not completely hopeless the characters are likable of the baudelaires yes no no one everyone else can suck it but like like you should at least care about the people you're following in the story yeah and you don't care about anyone yeah. in this story. You... Well, I mean, Chester's okay. He's a good kid. We should we should really... <laughs> yeah. Um, There's like one person to root for in this whole book. You can definitely write compulsive misery by having characters that you can care about and having well-crafted writing. And this, I think, lacks both of those for the most part. Yeah. It's boring. It's, yeah. Okay, so (laughs) really quick background. This is the longest book that we have recorded for, I believe, clocking in at 472 very long pages. It feels twice that amount. Oh my gosh. It took me six days to finish this, and every free moment I had, I was like, I should read that book, and I was like, I don't want to. I want, life's too short. I want to play Animal Crossing. So this book was originally titled The Highfield Mole and was self-published. It got a lot of self-publishing hype and was picked up for wide release by the guy who quote-unquote found J.K. Rowling, like the same editor that first signed her a decade previously. So He should have thrown this one right back. Yeah, he had his one. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't think he gets cred anymore. (laughs) (laughs) They evened out. (laughs) Yeah, she was going to make it without that guy. Right. She was working as a waitress in a cocktail. Right, because she (laughs) is a very talented storyteller. Even if not the most gifted writer, but right, you that's... care about Harry. You care about Hermione. You care about... Ro- Some people don't yeah. care about Ron. No, I that's, care about Ron. But... That's the separation. Like, that's the distinction. She's a very good storyteller. Technically, as a writer, she's not as gifted as some other people, but she can make you compulsively read 800 yes. pages. Oh, yeah. 800 pages, that feels like 200 on uh, when you're reading one of her books. Yeah. This one's just a long, hard slog. It's like the first... <laughs> it's more like, like the first bit... Of uh, Deathly Hallows. Like, going forever. Like, it never gets good. (laughs) The one rough patch that just... Think of the camping trip. The camping trip for a whole book is what this book is. (laughs) Like, that same tone. Even, like, the light-hearted moments are just like, this sucks. This is so miserable. We need an air quote sound effect. (laughs) 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 Alright, so uh, my personal quick little summary here. From the guy who a decade previously signed J.K. Rowling to her first contract comes yet another title erroneously dubbed the next Harry Potter for even flimsier reasons than usual. Because this actually, this was called the next Harry Potter when it first came out. 
No. No, absolutely not. Not even just because there's no wizards in it. There's like nothing. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Will Burroughs spends much of his free time excavating London's lost artifacts with his father, while his sister Rebecca keeps their home life from falling apart. After encountering some mysterious phenomena, after encountering some mysterious phenomena, Will's father goes missing. Will enlists fellow outcast Chester to help him track down his father, and the two stumble upon a hidden city deep underground. The colony, as it's known, has an even greater surprise for our young hero. You're a mole person, Will! (laughs) Chester is imprisoned, and Will must rescue him while coming to terms with his lineage. That's a very generous summary. Uh Uh-huh. I think I did this in like four to five chapter chunks. Okay, yeah, you kind of had to. Yeah. Part one, Breaking Ground. Chapter one. Our story begins with 14-year-old Will Burroughs, of course, and his yeah, art... <laughs> get it? Burroughs and they dig in the ground. Burr-her. Our story begins with 14-year-old Will Burroughs and his archaeologist father secretly excavating a late 19th century train system below the small underground... Nope, that word's not even in this paragraph. Below the small London... Un... <laughs> below the small it's London... It's a subway station. <laughs> yeah. But the point is that I'm saying it's below the neighborhood of Highfield because that's relevant. Yeah. Dr. Burroughs has taken to digging in secret after he was shafted by another professor, who apparently took all the credit for Dr. Burroughs' discoveries a while back. He got, like, mentioned in, like, a footnote of the dude's paper. That's kind of it. After breaking through, with Will doing most of the work, they select some artifacts for the father... They select some artifacts for the doctor's personal collection and slink back home. I don't know why I'm having such trouble reading. All right. The lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongue, the tip of the tip of the tip of the tongue. Come on. The lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongue. This book (laughs) pushed me back on my reading level. Words! (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, across town, a man named Terry is excavating at a construction site and uncovers a door. Behind that door is a long drop and a staircase around it. He goes down and sees strange pipes and funnels, as well as another door. Through there, he encounters what looks like an underground city with strange people in old-fashioned clothes milling about. He turns and races home. Chapter 2. Dr. Bros is eating lunch in the small Highfield Museum that he operates all on his own when local aged thespian Oscar Embers comes in and donates a peculiar small glowing globe encased in a gilded cage. He mentions it was found in a local woman's basement. Looking closer, Dr. Burroughs says it seems like liquid is swirling inside like a storm but chases the idea away. When he takes the orb into his dim office, it glows brighter. He takes it outside and it dims to an almost black, oily fluid. Chapter 3. Will meets up with his only friend Chester, a bulky kid with few friends as well, at an empty lot called the Forty Pits to show him his personal excavation site. The site is hidden by a trapdoor and is well-maintained like a professional dig. Will has been working on it for a year. At the end of the first tunnel is some sort of clubhouse with a table and chairs and two tunnels branching from it. After enjoying the silence a bit, Will and Chester head down another tunnel, as Will has a bit of a rock problem that way. After making Chester dig a while, Will shows him some of the artifacts he's found while digging. Chester is genuinely enthusiastic, and Will lets him keep a perfume bottle that he took a liking to. Meanwhile, Dr. Bros is picking up several magazines when he bumps into a strange man. He's noticed them around town, men in hats, sunglasses, and dark coats, but nobody else has. With this one, he notices very pale skin and a musty smell. Before he can think to do anything, the man in the hat disappears into the crowd. Chapter 4. Dr. Bros returns home, followed closely by Will. At the house already are Will's TV-obsessed mother and Rebecca, his younger sister and deputy mom. 
As we watch their nightly routine, we come to understand that Rebecca is the only sane Burroughs, and the others are all too self-absorbed to have even the most basic responsibilities. She literally does everything, cooks, cleans, shops, pays bills, negotiates house insurance, and deserves so much better. Will goes to bed, at, and at 2am is woken by his father, pushing a wheelbarrow outside. Will is confused, but shrugs it off and goes to sleep. Alright, so... I wrote down a bunch of stuff expecting it to be relevant, and then it wasn't. This book yeah. is full of that. Yeah. Yes! Okay, like when we were at the beginning and they're like digging and stuff, it takes forever to figure out where the hell they are, so I'm just like, are we in Egypt? Are they urban explorers? What's going on here? And Emma was like, oh, is this the future? It's like, oh, we found this uh, subway station, you know? Like, so I was like, what's the... Because I never really read the back. Yeah. Because I found, like, a lot of times the back just tells you the whole story, and then you're reading it like, okay, get there. Yeah. Get there. That... So I don't do that anymore. I don't read backs of stuff. That or it will try and talk something up as, like, a completely different genre. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've been misled by the back copy or had the whole story told to me on the mm-hmm. back, so I don't read the back anymore. So yeah. I was really confused until... I was able to piece things together. I think I tried reading this book when it first came out. I got like three chapters in and then put it down and I didn't remember anything about it. And it also manages to be overly descriptive while not really communicating what's there. Oh my gosh, yeah. Like, uh, because I was like, I can't picture what you're talking, because like when the guys, uh, when Terry, the worker is working in the basement, who we never see again. He's mentioned once and then we never see him again. That's not true. When, when does he come back again? I have it highlighted. I don't remember the exact page, but when we get to that section, that he is, I'm trying to remember if he's physically present or just talked about, but he is mentioned again. Okay. That shows how well it was mentioned yeah, again, because exactly. I don't remember it. <laughs> I read that section like three times, and I was like, I have no effing idea what oh, yeah. I'm envisioning here. Oh, yeah. I don't understand what he's finding. Is yeah. he finding, well, is it a submarine? Is it like, what are we looking at here? I right? don't understand. Yeah. So, but I was like, they, they spent so many words describing this. But I still don't know what the, yeah. what the hell they're on about. And then... It made me angry. And then later in the book, there's a part where... I mean, this happens a bunch of times, so I most specifically remember there's a part when they're exploring a different underground portion, more relevant to the plot, and it's just, like, glossed over. And it's, like, the most important reveal of the entire book, and it's, like, two sentences. And I'm like, <laughs> really? That's the time you choose to just skim? Like, very backwards priorities here. Also, this is the first book that we've read with two authors, and I can't figure out how two authors managed to make such a... I know! Like, did they write separately? And then it's like, let's just slap it together, rather than, like, come up with stuff together and maybe write separately, but then, like, go over it together. Yeah. Like, this feels kind of patched together because yeah. of that. So, personally for me, the book peaks at page four. I really like this first illustration. I don't know. I think it's pretty solid. The illustrations are done by the author, one of them, and uh, oh. it was downhill at that point. Yeah, they were not good illustrations. They're... There are a couple that I like just They're not I... dynamic. They're, they're just... The man should look boring, too. Yeah, there's one in there's, here. Uh, oh, wait. There was one I liked just because I kind of smiled a little bit. It's the two boys walking along their silhouettes. And you kind of see the height difference, so that's how yeah. you... I liked that one. I liked that one because the uh, whoever's in front, his backpack looks like somebody's face. <laughs> I'll point out the illustrations when we get to them, but I have, I have things to say about a lot of them. <laughs> But I did, I did not care for the illustrations. But you're right, that first one and that one I just talked about was a good yeah. one. Okay, I hated every single reference of like, oh, Dr. Burroughs has a candy bar. He shoved, like, because like when the, uh, the old man, Oscar Embers, comes in, yeah. he's in the middle of his lunch. 
And so he has this, like, his mouth full of food, and the guy's not getting that or anything. And it's, like, this big, they make it a bigger deal than it needed to be. He spends, like, like, put your finger up, like, one second, chew, obviously, and smile and go, I'm sorry, just having a bit of lunch here. What can I do for you today? Instead of turning it into a weird thing that I guess was supposed to be funny, but I was mostly offended. He was like, oh, yeah, fat people just cram chocolate bars wholesale into their face. He spends, like, four pages trying to figure out how to discreetly finish his candy bar. And it's, like... And it's his cheeks puffed out, and like I just that that phrase and just picture it, I just wanted to slap him, like the guy chewing, just like, it's <laughs> like like, and why can't that guy use some context clues like, oh, I'm coming in at noon, he's probably eating his lunch instead of like, is there something wrong with your teeth? I was so angry. Yeah. I was like, it's... I'm in chapter two, and I already want to throw this at the wall. Yeah, I hate this. That book. was I think that was supposed to be like the funniest part of the book. It's, no. no. It missed the mark. It, it, missed, <laughs> it couldn't see the mark. It missed the house. It missed the country. It missed the planet. It did not hit the mark. That's why I'm drinking during this episode. I knew I'd need it. On page 17, I first write, I don't much like Dr. Burroughs. And that's the beginning of my realization that I don't really like anybody here. Yeah. I will tolerate like two people and that's about it. And one of the two people I tolerated, I ended up really angry about the reveal about that one. Yeah. We'll get there. <laughs> Boy, will we. <laughs> get there. Oh, and there was like a chapter three thing that um, I wanted to talk about where, where Will's showing Chester his tunnel. And he's just like, yeah, I did this myself. I'm like, why is he lying about that? Like, you can say like, I did this with my dad instead of saying like, oh yeah, I totally did this myself. And Chester's like, there's no way you did. And he's like, well, I did. He did do it himself. He did? I thought this was the same place where the subway is, but he just went through a different tunnel area. See, this is how badly this is described that I couldn't fucking follow it. Okay, first F. <laughs> I, was um, ho- I was hoping not to do one. No, if you really? <laughs> did you honestly think you were going to get through this one? You drop like three in books you love. That's my, that's my average. It is. Yeah. I've noticed. It's like three F-bombs yeah. in an episode. Okay, that was one. And I'm, we're only in the first... Oh, okay. As okay, so, I understand it. Because I thought they came out in the same place. Because like, they come out in that park and then walk off. And then he takes Chester to the park and then lifts up that same thing to go down. As I understand it, the dig he does with his dad is at the place called the Commons that they refer to several times. That's just like this community mm-hmm. park area. And the 40 pits where he has his own dig site is actually past the edge of town. Oh, okay. As I understand it. Alright. Um, I don't like Will, but yes, he is a like competent enough digger. Uh, multiple times in this book, I just write, I want to read X book again because it reminds me of something else. <laughs> and at the top of chapter three, we're describing the 40 pits and it reminds me. So basically the 40 pits are just uh, kind of like a dumping grounds outside of town where they have just piles of refuse and uh not like plant matter and stuff like that it's more just like industrial waste sort of a thing oh and kids will go there and have like quote-unquote gang fights and things like that but it reminded me i went to a cabin uh over the summer with my family and it's right next to the river so you wrap down the river and then you just walk back to the cabin and my dad and my cousin went a little bit further than anticipated and we're walking back and they found like this fence that they were like oh obviously we can just like cut next to this fence and get up to, to some sort of street and stuff and they ended up in this they took us back to show us the most horrific undocumented trailer trash center like there there were no people there it was just a bunch of trailers in the middle of this overgrown woods with like 
a couple of satellite dishes. You can tell that people were there like earlier that day, but it simultaneously looks like nobody's been there in a year. Oh my God. They walked through it and it took them like 10 minutes to get through it. And they're normally really talkative and joking. They didn't say a word through the whole thing because it was just like so horrific. Ugh. And yeah, that's more your, exciting. Your vacation at the meth lab? Yeah. <laughs> when we're first introduced to the concept of a men in hat, I was looking for an 80s joke to make and I couldn't find one. Because men at... Like men in hats. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, come on, come on, just make the joke. I'm like, I can't because this is giving me nothing. Isn't it men without hats who sing safety dance? Yes. Yeah, because I was sitting there like, oh, it'd be like, who can it be now? I'm like, that's men at work. I'm like, mm. so, I went to beds are burning and that's midnight oil. <laughs> <laughs> well, the guy in the video kind of looks like who you'd think the sticks would look like. Oh my God. What if they made a film of this and like the guys in sticks played the sticks? <laughs> I'm sailing away. They're like, no! <laughs> we'll get there. And then, towards the end, when they all like congregate around them, come sail away, come, come sail away. <laughs> oh, that or they're like hunting them down, going like, oh, mama, I feel <laughs> my life from the long arm of the law. <laughs> <laughs> that jig is up, the news up. Okay, so even though the book peaks on page four, that illustration, its secondary climax for me is when he shows off his secret entrance to his tunnel thing, just because I've always loved little, like, secret clubhouses and stuff. But that's, we're already past the good part. Yeah, okay. Should we move on to the horrible family? Where Rebecca runs everything, and I already talked about an episode that I hate that trope. Right? I despise it, and it's even worse that, like, when I was bellyaching about it in the Penderwicks. Yeah. No, that dad is, like, so much better than these ridiculous people. Yeah, so let's go over the family dynamic a little bit. So we have Dr. Burroughs, who is just so incredibly invested in his digging that he doesn't do anything at home. He basically just locks himself in his basement and does research and stuff. We have Will, who very much takes after his dad, and he goes to school and stuff, but when he comes home, he just doesn't do anything useful, pretty much. Um, and all he wants is, like, his father's approval yeah. for, like, being able to dig things. Look at me digging, Nick yeah. cool. And then we've got the mother, who spends all day watching television, has been doing this for years. And she's got VC. this shows how old this is, she has VCRs recording shows when there's a time conflict, so she can still watch one and then watch the other later. She had multiple VCRs. Yeah, she had, like, two or three systems set up. <laughs> she, made, she made as well of that, like, a wall of TVs to, like, watch them. And she just sits there, like, in a robe all day just watching it. It's like, does she have depression? What are we... What's going on here? She's like a really disappointing British version of Oracle. Except instead of sitting there with a bunch of screens helping Batman save Gotham, she's just watching Gunsmoke. (laughs) And cheers. (laughs) Um, And then we have Rebecca, who's 12 years old and does everything. Everything. And I wrote at one point that she deserves much better than this. Because it's really frustrating to see the one person who seems to actually give a crap just totally get like... And Will doesn't even seem appreciative of the fact that she does No, he's like, she's so bossy. And it's like, well, dumbass, why don't you pick up your stupid laundry and do it yourself? He like dirties his clothes over and over at all his freaking digs. Who's washing it? Not Will, not his parents. It's Rebecca picking everything up. Legitimately, that family would probably be on the streets without her because... Oh, yeah. Even though technically, I think Dr. Burroughs is bringing home some money, she's the one that's managing all of it. Yes. He doesn't even know how much money he has in his bank account. He asks her if like, they yeah, can Like, yeah, how are we doing? Those. And she's just like, it's fine. <laughs> she's like, we're saving a lot more because I switched our car insurance to Geico. Like, we're okay. <laughs> yeah. It's so upsetting. It really is. Like, I, I don't know why so many 
authors of children's books do crap like this. I, it happens often enough that I hate the trope of the child parent. Yeah. Like the child having to do anything. I don't understand why that's a th- Like, is it just like, this kid isn't like the other kids. They're very mature, you know, yeah. or something like that. But you can do that by like having them yeah. have like a, like a little job or something. Yeah. Rather than, I run the household. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 12 and I know how insurance payments work. Like, that's not, that's not okay. Yeah. It just makes me hate the parents, like, yeah. so much. These useless parents who just get worse. And, like, I guess we're supposed to like Dr. Burroughs. I never got there myself. Mm-mm. And I didn't even really get what... Well, I'm, I'm about to allude to stuff that happens later, so I should, I should just wait. But I hate this family. Yeah. Yeah. I even wrote at the end of chapter four, am I supposed to dislike Will and sympathize with Rebecca? Because I do. How cool would it a book have been if... Okay, like, we just, we take some of this idea and just excise most of it as, yeah. like, horse shit, because that's what it is. Yeah. But, like, the story's Rebecca, and she runs the family, and she goes, you know what? I'm sick of this. And then she goes into, like, the dad's tunnel, and then finds, like, the the magic, like, a magic kingdom underneath, and then she just basically rules that, and everything's cool. Like, what if that had been the story? Right? Wouldn't that have been a better story than this <laughs> dreck we were handed? What if... <laughs> A very large man knocks down the door and tells her that she's actually a witch and whisks her away. To pig pimples. (laughs) 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 This is my best friend, Molly Faraday. (laughs) I just kept thinking of like all the different directions this could have gone in and like it it could have been such a cool story and it just... Yeah, so conceptually, if you were just to sell me on the skeletal premise of the first half of the book i would actually be really down for it discovering a secret city yeah when i yeah. was um when i was get reading that about the secret city and all this stuff i was like wow if you got someone who knew how to write and given this concept this would make such a cool stop motion animation movie oh yeah yeah, yeah. how cool would it have yeah. been oh my god right especially if they did it with the uh who's the group that does like uh box trolls and that's exactly the aesthetic i was picturing yeah. Like, the box trolls aesthetic yeah. for that. Yeah. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. I know, right? <laughs> Chapter 5. The next day, Chester continues digging while Will acts as foreman. He suggests going under the sandstone that is blocking the tunnel, while Chester wonders why they don't just dig a new tunnel if there's no real end goal. Will digs under the sandstone and encounters what appears to be a brick tunnel of some form. Chester is nervous because it might be an important structure, so Will stops digging until he can clear it with his dad that no sewers or anything run in that area. Meanwhile, Dr. Burroughs is again interrupted from lazing about in the museum by war vet Joe Carruthers, who insists he come see the strange hole in the kitchen at his daughter's new house. They go to the house and Dr. Burroughs finds that behind where the house's chimney was is a very, very deep hole with 19th century brickwork. He drops a brick in but doesn't hear it hit the bottom. He figures the vent goes up behind the original chimney. He also knows that there is an updraft of the same musty smell he noticed from the man in the hat. Chapter 6. Rebecca notices a figure sifting through the Burroughs' trash and is proud that she shreds all important documents. After cleaning up after her family and thinking about how much she hates her home life, fair, she sits in the living room and watches the night. Chapter 7. Dr. Burroughs notices another man in a hat passing the museum the next day. He follows the man but loses him at the entrance to a small alley he'd never noticed before. He goes down the alley and at the dead end climbs over a wall and ends up in an old woman's yard. The woman invites him in, and he realizes it's Mrs. Tantrumi, the woman who found the glowing sphere in the first place. He goes to the basement where it was found and discovers a wardrobe filled with the same clothes the strange men around town wear. Mrs. Tantrumi doesn't recognize the items, so he returns them to the wardrobe and leaves in confusion. 
Meanwhile, Will and Chester are excavating more, and Will breaks through the brick tunnel, which had been under pressure. They open it more... (laughs) They open it more and climb through into a large octagonal space whose bricks all have names on them. The room has no built-in entrances or exits, and the boys feel a strange, low-throbbing sensation that scares them back to their tunnel. Chapter 8. Will comes home to find Rebecca eavesdropping on their parents arguing. Dr. Burrow storms out, his wife shouting about how worthless he is, and heads down to the basement. Will eats dinner alone. Chapter 9. Will eats cereal. Chapter 10. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he eats cereal, and he gets up late because um, his parents haven't slept in their beds, and he doesn't know where they are. And Rebecca didn't wake him. It's good for her. Like, get yourself up, you D-bag. I'm so sick of everyone. (laughs) And Rebecca left out her cereal bowl. So he's like, something bad's happening. (laughs) Chapter 10. Chester is already at the dig site when Will arrives. Will tells Chester his dad is presumed missing after having gone into the basement a couple days ago, but he is far more concerned about the fact that someone has filled in the tunnel leading to the brick chamber. The rocks that fill the tunnel aren't from nearby, and there are no signs of anyone entering the site otherwise. Will returns home, and he and Rebecca inspect the cellar. There's a wheelbarrow of dirt there, as well as notes about the strange ventilation shaft Dr. Bros examined the other day. Will notices his father's dig outfit is missing, and realizes that his father would have told him if there were another dig happening. He thinks of something at that moment, but keeps it to himself. So, after this, we're, like, what, 100 pages in, close to? I guess so. Oh, I guess not quite, like, 80. (laughs) You're like, please let us be 100 pages in. (laughs) This is actually one of the most common complaints about this book. Apparently, people don't like the first third of the book, but love the rest. I personally think that, if anything, the first third might somehow be stronger, just because there are less confusing nonsensical plot twists yeah but we don't discover this secret city until 170 pages into this nonsense yeah. that mm-hmm. is a solid like average of probably like three hours of reading to discover anything interesting why are these men wandering around the town the men in hats like no one's escaped yet right they're just wandering around and no one's noticed them it's very hard for like our characters to find ways in How are they wandering around everywhere? Where are all these entrances that they come in through? Right? I don't understand. Yeah. None of it makes any kind of sense. So later in the book, we get some sort of semi-confirmation that more people above ground know about the colony than we expect. But that does not explain why they also need to send a bunch of people from down below to go wandering the streets. There's no point in it. Supply runs make sense. but. Doing, like, just literally just wandering aimlessly and such doesn't make a lick of sense. And nobody seems, like, they take care of anybody who stumbles upon something. But they do that kind of secretly. I don't understand why they need to be, like... But they're manufacturing the need to get after people who... Because if you quit opening these entrances, like, oh, we're going to go up and down and wander around. And then people find the doorways, like, oh, well, we have to get rid of them now. It's like, well, they wouldn't have found out about it right? if you weren't making these things. Why don't you go away for a while? You made your stupid little mole life. Go live there. Leave those people alone and quit sneering at them for living their life there. Live your life. Look at yourself. Look at yourself. Look at your life. Look at your choices. Look at the man in the mirror. Asking him to change his ways. (laughs) I think this is a good time to talk about Will 
and Chester's relationship. That is They're not sucky. friends. They are not friends. Will's just like, he does stuff for me. That's yeah, great. Literally, so Chester is like the classic, like, big, strong, misunderstood sort of character. He has eczema. He has eczema. I mean, it's not that important, but it doesn't <laughs> that's, help. That's part of why people make fun of him is yeah. because he has like... And, a, and his name's Chester Rawls, and like the kids at school call him Chester, Chester, Chester Drawers. Which I thought was actually kind of clever. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll give you that. That's pretty good. <laughs> Johnny Bag of Donuts? <laughs> or Joey, sorry. You're, you're Joshy Bag of Donuts. <laughs> Basically, this book amounts to Will finds somebody who is even more of a loner than he is and takes advantage of him in order to get exactly what he wants. Yeah. We will see later on that that is actually, like, exactly what happens. Yeah. And poor Chester is not given any sort of... <sighs> no. No, it's awful. It's yeah. it's genuinely like I, already at this point, I was like, this isn't a friendship. This no. is just an atrocious manipulation of a poor soul. Yeah. Once we get into the city, it gets even worse. It gets so much worse. Talk about people who deserved better. Chester deserved better. Yeah. He needs a new book to go into. Which book should he be in? Let's get. Let's throw him in Fablehaven. Yeah. He can be Seth's friend. Oh yeah. Seth. Wouldn't use him that way, yeah. but he could probably try and temper Seth's more impulsive yeah. things. He'd be like, well, wait, let's think about this a second, but I'm not going to like order you not to do this the way your sister right. would. But he'd just be a good tempering influence on Seth in right. Fablehaven. I think Chester would be a little bit more of a follower than a leader naturally, but that doesn't mean that he has to be taken advantage of. He can voluntarily yeah. join in on things and provide his own input. And I think, yeah, he would absolutely fit in with that much better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the story could kind of branch off. With, like, Seth and Chester doing a thing. And then, what did I say? I wanted Kendra and uh, the little sister and um, oh, the right. detectives to be yeah. in the story. So, and then it like, comes together in, like, a big, like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm having fun taking stories that, like, had promise and then, like, making them better. <laughs> like, put them together. The four of them could be, like, the Pendrewicks. Are we going to start our own <laughs> YA series and it's the Literary Orphans? <laughs> That's going to be a big school. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, their friendship sucks. Will makes the one strangely offhanded misogynistic remark in the entire story, and it has nothing to do with anything. He just says, women, never know where you are with them. <laughs> he was just repeating shit his dad said. Yeah, but it's like, it, it has no bearing on anything. It's like, I know where you are with her. She's mad at you because you're worthless, and you don't do anything yeah. to help. That's where you're at with her. Yeah. <laughs> Do we want to talk about the parents' fight? Yes. Definitely. The mom calls him, like, worthless. And I'm like, that's the pot calling the kettle. <laughs> At least he's bringing in a paycheck. <laughs> what are you doing there, TV addict? <laughs> She's like, I want him to work in TV someday. I'm like, okay, well, not everyone gets to do that. So what's going to be your backup plan? Sitting in front of TV is not an option. I don't know. I hated the mom. She's the most useless one of all, wasn't she? <laughs> kind of. And I like later on the story, Will's concerned about his family. He never thinks about his oh, mom. Oh, yeah, yeah, he yeah. He never thinks he about keeps, her. He's like, she's he's such like, a non-entity. Rebecca must be going crazy because uh, now I'm gone too and my dad's been down here for who knows how long and I have to find him. Doesn't even no, like... doesn't even think a mom Literally wants. does not mention his mother. No. Well, why should he? What does she do? Nothing. <laughs> it's so crazy. Uh, and usually I'm like in defense of moms and these things. Mm -hmm. I can't. Mm -hmm. I can't. She She brings nothing. Unless she actually does have, like, some very severe depression she needs to sort through. Which she very well might. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of what they were going for, but they were uncomfortable with actually addressing any sort of, like, mental illness or something. So they just wrote her as pathetic. She's just and, lazy. Which is really a disservice to people with depression. It is, it really is. <laughs> yeah. 
because people with depression usually are told they're lazy. Yeah. Like, you're just lazy. It's like, no, I want to die right now. Right. So it's just sitting here and watching Gunsmoke. Yeah. It's the only thing keeping me Le- to this Legitimately right taking a shower feels like climbing a mountain. I'm sorry. Yeah, I can't right now. <laughs> so I will be sleeping in here for the third time this week. <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I don't like the way that was portrayed. Yeah. And yeah, and the parents fought and like Rebecca made all the meals. So Will ate all the meals because everyone's <laughs> upset not eating. <laughs> well, I've... Well, I suppose. <laughs> I'll choke Or I should it. go say hello. <laughs> That's what I was going for. <laughs> Man, just chokes it all down. It's like, well, it's good. Well, I mean, you can't reheat a TV dinner. Isn't that basically what they eat like all the time? Most of the time, TV yeah, dinners. yeah. So why later when he comes home, he looks in the fridge like, there's nothing here. I'm like, why are you surprised? <laughs> He would he could open it and it would be full of like like fresh vegetables and stuff. He'd be like, "There's nothing to eat." Yeah, there's nothing in here. Well, it's like, what are we gonna do with like raw ingredients? Throw I can't something cook. together? You can't cook. <laughs> Rebecca isn't there to be all like, "Okay, first you need to wash the vegetables." No, no, no. He eats cereal. There were a few chapters that were like, "Yeah." That. The uh, guy rummaging in the trash. What was that about? I thought that was gonna be related to the plot. Yeah. Yeah. There was. And then considering the Rebecca, the Rebecca reveal later, who mm-hmm. gives an F? Yeah, it's just one of many things that are like, here, let's just have a tidbit of nothing. Did you like that? No? Good. More <laughs> of that coming your way. Like, <laughs> great. Thanks. Chapter 11. Rebecca says it's time to call the police about Dr. Burroughs. They arrive, speak to Mrs. Burroughs, and search the house and garden for clues. One officer asks about anyone digging in the garden, which hasn't happened in years, according to Will. Once they give the kids a business card and leave, Rebecca scoffs at their incompetence. <laughs> she wasn't wrong. <laughs> well, also, this is a cheerful note. Like, but when my dad left, yeah. he, he, like, said, like, yeah, I'm going to work. And then, like, later, like, called, like, the next day. He's like, oh, I got injured at work. We're like, well, where are you? And then we didn't hear anything else. And my mom called the police to report him missing. They don't do anything for grown men missing from their families because they're just like, he took off. Yeah. He just took off. So, sorry. Yeah. I don't even think they say sorry. That was yeah. just kind of that's basically it. just like I uh, he can make his own decisions. Exactly. Sorry. Yeah. There's like, well, if you don't have like any signs of something happening, like you know, like the car in the driveway with the door open, and but where is he? And there's blood on the ground. Yeah. Like <laughs> something for them to go on. <laughs> it just kind of comes off as incompetency. But what are they supposed to do? He probably left because you're you fought with your mom, and I can tell him look around this house sucks. So <laughs> he's probably off to the Mediterranean or something to dig up old Greek stuff. (laughs) Chapter 12. Will enlists Chester's help sneaking into the museum to look for clues. They find Dr. Bros's journal and take it back to the 40 pits to read. Most entries describe what we've already read, but there's also a clipping of an article on Sir Gabriel Martineau, an 18th century scientist and businessman. Martineau employed many high field workers to build two neighborhoods, one of which was destroyed in the Blitz and supposedly a network of tunnels as well. He became involved in a cult later on and was thought to have died with his daughters in the fire that consumed his house. Several pages after are torn out and the last entry described Dr. Burroughs planning to go through in order to make a discovery that he will be remembered for. I just wanted to say something just about the journal thing. Yeah. But the pages ripped out. Mm-hmm. Just take the whole journal and burn it. Don't just rip pages out of it. Like the bad guy's just like, they won't know. It's like they can piece it together. Just take the whole journal. I just hate that stupid trope. It's just like it. Now we know something happened to him because you took the evidence of where he could have gone. Just take the whole journal. They would have been like, oh, there's nothing in the office. Okay, whatever. Let's go home. That reminds me End of... End book. <laughs> that reminds me of... I think it was in school when they somebody like sneaks in and grabs 
Cap's school record or something and there's nothing in there. Mm-hmm. But he like goes out of his way to bring them an empty file. Yeah, under his shirt and everything. <laughs> like, here it is. It's empty. I would have been like, everything fell out while you did that, you idiot. Go back and see if it dropped. <laughs> Chapter 13. At school, Will is bullied for his father walking out, but Chester steps in to stop it. After school, the boys search the basement but come up empty. That is, until they find an electrical cord that disappears behind a shelving unit. They find that the unit is on hinges, revealing a lit tunnel behind it. The a tu- lit tunnel. <laughs> Just please! Yes! This tunnel is hype! <laughs> the tu- <It's> not. <laughs> the tunnel is partly caved in with the same sort of stone as the 40 pits cave in, and there's evidence of sabotage on the wooden props. The boys get to work excavating. Chapter 14. Will and Chester continue to dig for several days. One night, Will dreams of his father and shadowy figures preventing Will from reaching him and eventually falling and being buried alive. Chapter 15. Several weeks later, a police officer comes to talk to Mrs. Burroughs, and the kids are astounded to find the TV off, the living room clean, and their mother dressed and dolled up. The officer doesn't make much headway, making me wonder how much more runaround this book is going to give me before something happens. The next day, Will and Chester are walking when they notice a man in a hat following them. A second man appears, and the boys dodge them by ducking into a grocery store owned by the Clark brothers, the professional elder and flamboyant younger. The younger Clark brings the boys some groceries and makes reference to other local disappearances, this time two boys who were just gone one morning. It's actually a whole family, but I forgot to change that. Will takes notice of this, instead taking the incident with the men in hats as confirmation of his father's discovery, so the two boys head back to work. We are on chapter 16 now, and we still have not gotten to the underground city. How did the kids at school know that Will's dad left? He doesn't have any friends. Who else? And Chester doesn't either, so how's that spreading? I just never understand these books where I'm like, turns out your old man's a drunk, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. I don't know anything about anybody's parents. So right? As a kid, I knew bupkis. So I was like, I don't understand how in the books, especially since this isn't like a super small town anyway, it's like a suburb of London. Yeah. Because they were able to walk from Blackfriars Bridge to like the, the yeah. ha- house. It yeah, took a few hours, but they did it. It's just part of London. Right, straight up, Yeah. So it's like, how do how do you know anything about that? And and like, who makes one of their dad leaving? That didn't happen to me or my brother. Who chooses their bully name as Speed? Is it the drug he takes? Like, and then his friends blogs he. What, what does he just write on the internet a lot? <laughs> the bully blog. <laughs> I'm like this kid, I punched him in the gut and he threw up and it was purple and it was weird. <laughs> like, what was he eating? <laughs> Smash that like button. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it's just like the link to his YouTube account where he's just holding a kid and like punching him in the gut while smiling. Blonzy! Is that like Banksy's lame kid? Like, what? These are crummy bully names. Yeah, so while he's being bullied, Will is like, maybe Speed was right. Maybe it was his fault. Maybe he was partly to blame for his father's departure. And I'm just thinking like, there's absolutely no indicator that that would be the case in the story. So this doesn't, not only does this not work as like a legitimate form of character development, it doesn't even work as a bad sympathy ploy by the authors. No. Because I'm like, you didn't hint at that at all. No, they'd be all like, you made dad leave to the mom. And like, that's kind of it. Yeah. He's supportive of his dad. Yeah. He went all the dicks and stuff and was like, oh, would you dig up anything cool, dad? You know, like they had a good relationship. So no. Yeah. He's, he's also wondering this after he read the journal, which explicitly stated that he was leaving to make a discovery not to abandon his family. Right. But he's still just like, I can't believe my dad's gone. Why would he do this? It's literally the chapter after he reads yeah. why his dad would do it. Yeah. That's what, that's what happens when you write, have two people writing a story yeah. and they don't talk to each other. I, I haven't been this confused by the <laughs> ordering of uh, segments since I was watching an early episode of Northern Exposure and I figured out that they had a scene of somebody's wedding 
And then the next scene was them preparing for the wedding. And I was like, that got flipped in post. (laughs) Uh, Will doesn't deserve Chester. Wrote that one right here. No, he really doesn't. He really doesn't. Chester. No, Chester needs a good friend. Do you think Chester would be good friends with the group from the thing about jellyfish? No, how about the Dollbones kids? Sure. Let's put them with the Dollbones kids. They'd be all like, well, what do you want to do? And he'd be like, no one's ever asked me that before. They just said Chester Dig. (laughs) (laughs) They'd be like, no, you could do any character you want. Just like, it has to go with the internal logic of our world that we've created. But yeah, what do you what do you want to do? You could just be like, there's so many possibilities. <laughs> okay, so chapter 15 begins with the phrase, the weeks passed. Like, multiple weeks have passed at this point, And they're still trying to dig out the cave-in. And Will's like, my dad could be under here. Uh, he's definitely dead if he's under the cave-in. Yeah, he's, he's done. <laughs> but this brings up a bigger problem that I have with this story is the timeline makes no dang sense. As far as I can tell... It be like years? It, this is literally going on least? for like six months. Yeah. Which includes them spending like four months underground. And when you think about all the stuff that happens underground, this doesn't work. It doesn't work with their character's priorities. It doesn't work with what's actually going on. It doesn't work with the fact that nobody up top seems to care about any of this. No. None of this makes any dang sense. No. Just imagine what happens to Chester, and that's literally for like three or four months. I know. That's horrible. I hate this book. Yeah. I want to talk about the Clark brothers. I don't like them. I think you're supposed to throw them in just like, oh, quirky characters. Are we having fun? I'm like, we're not. I think the younger one's obnoxious. Right. I don't find him entertaining at all. Right. Also, that they were trying to be like, he's gay, but we're not going to use that word in a young adult book. He's flamboyant. (laughs) It makes reference to like how handsome the boys are and stuff because, you know, it's not problematic to write every gay character as seeming like they're really into young boys. Yeah. That's not a problem for a, you know, diverse representation or anything. Right. And the dynamic with the brother. Well, the other brother just seems just like an adult. Right. So He's just like, I'm trying to run a business. Can you please? Can you stop? And he's all like, so a whole family went missing once. It was crazy. And the other one's like, can you not? The kid's dad's missing. Can you not bring that up? What is the matter with you? And he's just like, I'm crazy. <laughs> I'm just so wacky. So so <laughs> like, watch me, watch me juggle kumquats. It was the worst. Can we talk about the mother? seemingly snapping out of everything that yeah. she's been in for like I don't know how many years that was weird but for no discernible reason and then immediately just kind of going back into it I thought maybe she was gonna like hit on the cop yeah did you think that's yes was, like if I seduce the cop then maybe yeah. he'll do a better job finding my husband like no he wouldn't which she also doesn't <laughs> seem concerned about it she no. like the kids come and they're like we need to talk about how our dad's missing she's it's like i understand this is a difficult time and it's like well and then when he's like asking questions about the dad she's like throwing her head back and laughing bitterly about like well is there anybody at work who would be threatened by him like <laughs> and you're like oh my god she's coming off as a bitter divorcee rather than a woman whose husband's just gone missing yeah which definitely doesn't make Wait. her look more like a murderer <laughs> Maybe you might want to cut this out later, but as part of the spoilers that... No, that's okay. not... Too far from what I'm thinking. So let's let's work off of the fact that they have a tendency to code characters without explicitly stating. So I'm going to go ahead and say the mom has some sort of severe depression and... Manic depressive, maybe? Because then the dressing up in the that, dress... That's, that's my thing, is I, I, I want to try and reconcile those. So either it's some sort of a manic thing, or they just don't understand how depression works, and... Probably that one. They're like, oh, cute police officer, See, that will can... cure her. Yeah, that'll cure her, and like, ooh, yeah. 
Chapter 16. <laughs> okay. Will comes back from another day of excavating and finds a package addressed to his father. He opens it immediately to find the glowing sphere and a letter from Professor Thomas D. Dr. Burroughs has sent the orb to the professor for examination. Non-invasive testing revealed that the orb is not radioactive, it has a Gregorian-era cage made of a rare alloy whose formula is thought lost, has a small free-floating particle in the exact center, is only responsive to light, can be almost as bright as daylight, and two liquids within it seem helium and silver-based, even though helium wasn't formally discovered until hundreds of years after the cage was supposedly built. Because Rebecca was there to see the package opening, Will tells her most of what he knows, stopping short of telling her about the secret tunnel. Chapter 17. A week later, Will and Chester finally break through the cave-in, but they choose to not explore it until they've rested and prepared. Upstairs, Mrs. Burrow wants to speak to Rebecca and Will. She says that because Dr. Burroughs may not be coming back, they'll have to sell what they can, including the house, until they can make ends meet. Meanwhile, Mrs. Burroughs will be admitting herself to a mental health facility, so the kids will have to stay with their auntie Jean in the projects. The kids are understandably defiant of this. Chapter 18. After making one final check of supplies, Will and Chester enter the cavern behind the cave-in. Inside the cavern are the huge rusted remains of some old machine. They're startled by a white, naturally eyeless rat, but continue through the cavern to discover a door set into the rock. They unlock the door by turning its three handles and push it open. I just remember that we had already gone past the chapter that has the chamber of bricks that all have, like, words on them or names. Oh, it's like all the names. I think of probably, like, they don't tell you, but isn't it, like, the, probably, like, the original people who went down there first? Yeah, so that chamber is not visited again for the rest of the book. No. Or mentioned. No. Like most things in the book, I want to see if I recognize any of the names now that I've completed the story. Oh, right. While we're backtracking, I do want to do a quick touch on Mrs. Tantrumy and her having a wardrobe of the men in hats' stuff down there, which is also not addressed again. No, never again. And the fact that Dr. Burroughs doesn't think it's weird that he just climbs into her backyard and then she is basically blind and she is like, who is that? And he's like, oh, it's just me. And she's like, well, come on in for tea. <laughs> that might have been the only funny part. I thought she was marginally okay just because like kind of ditzy old ladies are cute. Okay, cool. I don't recognize any of the names in the chamber, even after finishing this book, and the uh, it's not addressed again. All right, well, let's go on to part two of The Colony, where I got that song, Brand New Colonies, stuck in my head every time I read it. <laughs> it was the only good part. So part two, The Colony. Uh, We're finally going down. We're young and timber. <laughs> you better move. You better... Da- the old place is run by Kesha. How much better of a story would that have been? <laughs> and Pitbull's just like, you know, like, it's about to go down. Here we go, round and round. It's going down. We're like, yeah, this song's old. It's probably probably newer than this book. Mm-hmm. If they were still using VCRs, then yeah. Chapter 19. The boys cross through what seems almost like an airlock, which is numbered 5, which is okay. also not. They mention one other doors having numbers but that's like it yeah maybe if it made level like sense if they ever said like oh that's on the fourth level or anything. yeah but they like, never say anything like that yeah like it's some sort of like tiered city or something it like just, that but... it just never felt like this was very well planned uh, the boys cross through what seems almost like an airlock and call up some sort of service elevator chester is rightly suspicious about the whole thing and remains cautious as they descend at the very bottom there's a door labeled zero and behind it is a street and houses and street lamps and everything you would expect of a town except old and hundreds of feet underground. <laughs> the boys explore and enter one of the homes, which 
has signs of human habitation, portraits of people who look like the men in hats, and a painting of the Martineau house. They continue down the road and encounter shops and strange white birds, but no people. That is, until a carriage drawn by white horses appear, and a large man with an officer uniform snatches them up. He says Will's father said they'd be coming, and as he takes them away, people appear and begin to fill the streets. As they descend deeper into the town, Will notices a man watching with an evil gaze and a grin on his face. Is that the... They never, like, addressed that later, but was that the crawfly? I think that's the crawfly. Okay. But yeah, not addressed. No! I had to put that together myself. Like, that was probably the crawfly. (laughs) Which, it's like... It's okay to have readers put things together themselves, but, like, you usually... There's kind of a... Use the same words to describe him. Yeah. And then go, he seemed familiar. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. Or you, or you like, piece together a timeline. You, you at least or like... hang a light on it somehow. Yeah. Rather than, like, oh, you know, I probably... <laughs> yeah. Or, like, I totally meant for that to happen. Like, three books later, they're just like, that was definitely it. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. Chapter 20. Will and Chester are taken to an underground police station and read their trespassing charges. A message arrives for the shouty police officer, and when Will is asked to give his name for the paperwork, the officer remarks that it's not the name he has in his message. That seems important. Mm -hmm. The boys sleep in jail, and Will is woken and taken by the officer to meet the Sticks, two men in white collars who want answers. Will is strapped to a chair, and a strange lamp-like contraption called the Dark Light is used on him. It creates a strange pressure inside Will's body and makes him feel immensely uneasy. The Sticks also ask for his real name, ask if he's with the doctor, and, strangely, ask about his mother. Will feels faint and sick and is eventually released. He is returned to his cell and Chester is taken for questioning next. Once Chester returns, both boys realize they can't remember what they thought or said in front of the dark light, but may have told the Sticks about Will's family or his father's research. Another week passes, filled with interrogations and sickness. One day, Will receives visitors. He is taken to a white room that he knows is being watched by the Sticks, and a man and young boy are waiting for him there. They are Mr. Jerome and Cal, short for Caleb, which I guess maybe it's Kale? I was saying Cal, but I've heard sometimes Caleb is pronounced Caleb, so that might be how they're saying it. Okay. The officer refers to these people as Will's family. After trying to spark Will's memory with a toy mouse that was supposedly his, Cal informs him that Will's real name is Seth, and they are brothers. Supposedly, Will and Cal's mother escaped to the topsoil, bringing Will with her. Will, of course, believes none of this and lets the officer take him back to his cell. Chapter 21. Topside, Chester's dad comes around looking for his son, but Rebecca, of course, can't find him or Will, and his mother is useless. Rebecca leaves a message for the officer who visited, and the police show up the next morning to search the house. After a couple days of interviews and a lack of progress, Rebecca decides to take action. This happens to be at the exact moment when their house is broken into, and figures try to abduct Mrs. Burroughs, but she fights back with a frying pan, and they run off. Chapter 22. Underground, Mr. Jerome and Cal get Will out of jail and take him back to their home. Their carriage is stopped by a sticks at the skull gate. The transition point between the quarter, the outpost that included the police station Will had been in, and the colony, presumably the town proper. They pass through without incident, go down a long tunnel, and reach the colony. The part where, like, the cops are like, you know, the doctor said you'd be coming, and I was just picturing Dr. Burles being all like, Wait, I tell my son what you did! <laughs> I tell my son gets here! <laughs> I was like, well, the first thing I thought You'll was, be in big trouble, mister! When my son gets here, he's a stocky little... Stocky, and uh, and, he, and he looks like a, um, an albino. <laughs> like everyone down here. Let's talk about... The dark light? The dark light. I felt sick just reading about it. And they dwell on the pain of it so much. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I'm talking about with this misery. It's like misery porn, where they just 
keeps being miserable and like, oh, I'm going to dedicate pages and pages to these children being abused. And yeah. it's like, stop it. I wouldn't have minded if they'd cut away a little bit, but it's like lovingly detailed Yeah, how this affects them. And I really don't like it. Speaking of lovingly detailed, so the illustrations <laughs> are just kind of like black and white, kind of sketchy, sort of a high contrast stuff. For the dark light, it's a shaded figure of a guy standing behind a desk, and it's kind of like a, a desk lamp yeah. is, is shining this dark light. But I guess they didn't think that the regular illustration worked, because all they did was go into, like, Microsoft Word and put two black circles on top of it very poorly, and they're not even full circles, they're, like, kind of oblong, and they just, like, layered them onto the image and then added a gradient to try and create a light effect. That's the sort of high-caliber artistry we're dealing with here. And, I don't know, the machine itself, like, it's not even like it's really getting the truth out of you. It's just, like, torturing you. And everyone knows that when you torture people, you don't actually get real information from them. Yeah. They probably would get better information and real information if it induced euphoria. So you'd just be, like, you'd just be feeling so good that you're just like, yeah, we came through the such and such. Right. And just like, I don't know, I just went along with Will because he's my only friend, which is sad, but that's what I got, you know? (laughs) So it's just, it's dumb. All Friendship is giving everything and getting, getting nothing, nothing back, right? Friendship means never having to say you're sorry. <laughs> you never, you wouldn't have seen this horrible movie from the 70s called Love Story. No. Where the girl would say, like, love means never having to say you're sorry. I'm like, yes, it does. Love actually means apologizing every time you should instead of just ignoring it because yeah. you think it'll go away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, a, it was a dumb movie. So uh, it just skips ahead a week. Because it always does. It's like kind of like the, a week later. Yeah. It, like, a week later was the thing. It's like they have no understanding of how long a week is, especially if you are a teenager trapped in an underground jail cell. I was I kept waiting for it to be like, okay, a week later, and then find out later, like, it was two days. But it just, they were so miserable right? in there, it felt like forever. Here's what's but upsetting. it really was forever. Here's what's upsetting, is that this happens a lot. And Chester spends a lot of time in jail. We're going to talk about that later. But mm-hmm. Chester spends a lot of time in jail. Weeks and weeks, if not months. The unfortunate reality is that probably should have ended with, like, an in-jail suicide. I, like, I don't want that to happen, but he's being just tortured, removed from everything he knows. His one supposed friend, who wasn't even a good friend, has completely abandoned him. Mm -hmm. He's quickly losing a ton of weight in a very unhealthy way. And there's no, like, there's no, like, ACLU equivalent for the people down there. Yeah. Like, you can't do that to prisoners. Yeah. He's entitled to this, that, and the other, and what, and then it's just weird that they don't even have that. Yeah. I, I just, I don't like it. It's just, it's kind of lazy. Like, the whole world building yeah. was lazy, poorly described. Yeah. It's like, you know what an underground city is. Like, we'll just what? Leave underground it at that. city? And you're like, well, wait, what? And then it's like, well, I'm not sure what we should do with Chester because we just wanted to have, like, a buddy character. We'll lock him away for 300 pages. Well, I was saying, I'm like, how, are they, how do they all not have rickets? Why don't they, have the, and then they say later, like, those uh, bulbs mm-hmm. have all the stuff you'd need from, like, sunlight. Yeah. So then that's how it's okay. But there's still lots of other health problems from being under here. There's not even, like, a recycled air system or anything yeah. like that. So they're breathing. And then they, like, when they go to the colony, they see, like, like a factory in the distance pumping smoke. That's and I was like, you're all breathing that in. How are you not all dead? Yeah. None of this makes sense. And then there's, like, the, the storm later. The, like, weird dust storm. Yeah. Which I guess makes it, because they've tunneled so deep. It's like when you go deep enough in the ground, that's when gases are and yeah. stuff. So why haven't they hit any of that? Or if they have, I don't know. It's just, 
they just thought underground city would be cool and then like give and like act like enough like oh we thought about stuff and like overly describe stuff but that you're still sitting there like there's so much you're leaving out there's so much that's just lazy here and there's a train there's a train yeah that's stupid <laughs> so stupid <laughs> it makes me so mad anyway go ahead when the mother is ferociously attacking with the frying pan mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to talk about okay. that. I wanted to talk about I that. just wrote, what am I reading? Because I don't understand how all of this ties she, into a single novel. She's getting pulled away. She's getting pulled away. And then she thinks, they're after my TVs. And that's when she viciously fights. When I would have like liked that fight scene a lot better. I think they're trying to play it like, yeah, look at the mom finally stepping up. When I think it would have been stronger if like she's car- getting carried away. And then she sees, because like Rebecca's at the top yeah. of the stairs watching this shit go down. If she looked up and said like the kid like... What if they do something to my kid and then fights them? You yeah. know, I was like, if it'd been motivated by like mama bear instinct of like saving Rebecca, I would have been all over this scene. Like, yes, mom's the mom's my new yeah. favorite character. You redeemed her. That's perfect. But she's motivated because she thinks they're after her fucking TVs. Yeah, they're basically okay, trying. Two. To, they're basically trying to turn an intense, depressive focus on this television thing into comic relief, like. Haha, uh-huh. isn't it funny that she has lost her grip on her own emotions and mental state and the only thing that motivates her to save her own life is television? I hated that. I hated it so much. So I couldn't even enjoy the fight scene, which I would have, again, if it had been motivated by saving Rebecca. Oh, and then like the one good character in this whole thing we see briefly because Chester's father knew where Chester was, checked up and be like, where is he? And they're like, no, no, no. He's like, yes. I'm getting the police. I'm worried about my kid. Yes. And it's like, okay, here it is. The one responsible adult in the whole book. Yep. Here he is, folks. Yep. Mr. Rawls. Yep. The other best character is the cat. I love the cat. I love the <laughs> There's cat There's one so decent human and a cat. There's, and a cat. That's it. <laughs> Chapter 23. Rebecca is delivered to her disheveled chain-smoking Auntie Jean and immediately put to work. Below, Will arrives at Mr. Jerome's house and is introduced to Bartleby, the giant bald cat. Yeah. And also to, supposedly, his grandma, who recognizes his face as Macaulay family instantly. He is shown a picture of a woman with his hair and jawline holding a baby that is apparently him. Will has a spark of recognition and gives into the fact that his life is not what he thought. After telling about his life above ground, Will is told that neither he nor Chester will ever be let back topsoil to prevent the discovery, an end time scenario when all those in the colony are found. Just then, Will's boisterous Uncle Tam bursts in to introduce himself. Okay, I kind of like Uncle Tam. He tells Will that Dr. Burroughs came through a week ago and voluntarily went to the deeps, where other settlements and miles of tunnels leading even further down lie. Tam tells of a man named Abraham DeJabo, who returned after years of banishment to the deeps, cut and missing his tongue, and making drawing of strange machines and creatures that supposedly live deep in the tunnels. He died a week later, but his drawings are kept in the governor's vaults. Will shows interest in these drawings, and Tam says Dr. Burroughs was the exact same way. And those drawings were never talked about again! Are they going to be in the next few books? I don't think so. I was expecting them to do some sort of, like, a heist to see those drawings or something. Like, that's where I expected that. Maybe that's where it would have gone if Chester hadn't been in the clink. The slammer. Chapter 24. Cal shows Will around the house and explains that Martineau didn't die in the fire, but came down and founded the colony. Cal also shows Will his collection. His collection. Collection. His, his collection. Don't have a collection. <laughs> his collection of topsoil artifacts and says Tam goes up there sometimes and brings and them back. And he's like, look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? <laughs> Did you? I wrote Little Mermaid in my notes. 
Didn't you do it too? <laughs> Wish I could be part of that world. <laughs> uh, I didn't write it in here. He thinks Will plans to escape the colony and tells him that he's coming with Will. The kid's a real underground Ariel. There you go. <laughs> there you go. A gross dinner is served by a feeble, sickly oh, man. God. Mr. Jerome t- shows Will no hospitality and is downright abusive to the server, who turns out to be Terry Watkins, one of the people who disappeared from the topsoil, and that guy from the first chapter. No, that's the dad of the family that... Oh, wait, he's... What? I the thought... whole Watkins family disappears. Oh, that's who that... Okay, yeah. I thought it was two different people. I did too. Okay. Especially because we... as soon as he's You're introduced, right. he that goes is... by a nickname. Okay, makes sense. I mean, it doesn't, but... <laughs> okay. When he found the air channel, his family was taken and put to work, which totally drained his vitality. Cal also reveals that there was a third brother who died after birth, and their mother tried to escape with both sons, but didn't manage to get Cal out. As far as they know, she's still alive somewhere above, being hunted by the sticks. A bell rings, summoning the colony for some sort of religious ceremony, condemning the topsoil and praising Sir Gabriel Martineau and the Founding Fathers. Afterwards, Will and Cal cut through a seedy neighborhood called the Rookeries to find Uncle Tam at his favorite tavern. After being introduced to some strange associates and drinking certainly a poisonous amount of alcohol for such a small, undeveloped body... Will asks Tam to help him get Chester out of jail. Tam refuses, saying it's hopeless. They all notice a six named the Crawfly enter the tavern and take note of renowned cutthroat Geraldo Walsh as well. Walsh comes by and he and Tam get into it, resulting in them being chained together for a formal brawl. Tam wins and notes that the Crawfly got what he wanted, word that Tam has been in another fight. So, like, are there just no manners under the ground? Because people just kind of collide into each other. When the guys are up there, they're crashing into people and sneering. But I found out later it's because of the their disdain for people who live on the surface. Mm-hmm. But they eat food disgustingly, and I would vomit if I had to be in the room with them. There's, like, lip smacking and slurping, and Will's just like, I can't do this. <laughs> What's confusing is it doesn't go far enough to make it seem like they genuinely have their own separate culture. It that's seems like it's was... almost entirely topsoil culture with just a couple of... That's why I thought, like, maybe there's just no manners here. Like, yeah. People just, like, do what they want and they crash into you, but I know so they're only crash... But, and then, like, when they're, um, the Mr. Jerome being so abusive to Terry Watkins, mm-hmm. and Cal's just, like, he kind of, like, looks over at Cal, and Cal's just like, that's just what happens. You know, he, like, is not bothered by that, that abuses are just part and parcel for this hellhole they all live in yeah oh and also the dad having such like he's like clearly hates will what because he was taken to the surface against his will when he was a child how's that justified that doesn't even make any sense it's very victim blamey yeah and how old are these freaking kids like how much of an age gap because like will was able to get out and like and Cal probably would have had to have been really small, too, because Will's got no memory of all of this, so he might have had to have been quite young. Yeah. Probably under three in order for this to work. I, I just don't understand the timeline for this stuff. Right, especially and if it's I'm like... I'm confused even more later about the timeline, about the reveal about Rebecca, so... Especially when it's like... Because as I understand it, she was trying to take them both up and then encountered something and was only able to escape with... With one with, kid. But Will would have been the older one, so presumably... Yeah. Wouldn't she have been, like, carrying Cal? Cal? Yeah. And Will would have been by... So, unless she was playing favorites... Well, it's probably... I mean, do you like Cal? I don't. I might like him better than Will. Uh, he... That's like asking, do you want to be poked in the eye with a stick or a pencil? You know? <laughs> it's like, it's still a sharp object. I still want out. Do I get lead poisoning from a pencil? No, same same result. You get an eye popped out. Okay. Um, oh, and then I, I wrote down, there's also some breathtakingly lack of self-awareness. 
when Will's asking them, like, well, have you ever been to the surface? Like, would you ever want to go? And they're all like, no! Can you imagine being in a new place you don't know without your family? And I just wanted Will to go, gee, what's that like? Right, and then you they're know? just like... <laughs> and, and But he's cowed by that. I'm like, don't be cowed by that. You're experiencing that right now. You can stick it in their face like, motherfuckers, you're the one making me, you know, like, I have to be in this dumb... Yeah, because he's immediately, <sighs> he's immediately then like, I would never want to, like, leave everything I know, but don't bother going back for your friend or trying to escape. Right. Just make a life here. It's just this cognitive dissonance. It's just <laughs> bleh, when <he's> not <laughs> connecting. And I was just like, why isn't any... Like, Will pointed out. But Will's just like, oh, well, I just won't say always one. It was just so frustrating. And that fight was really hardcore. That was another thing. Fights take, like, three pages to, like, play out. And you're just like, oh, my God, this fight is so... Like, does it have to be like this? So in my nose, I'm always like, they fought. <laughs> Damn one. That was the next segment where I was just like, what am I reading? Because I'm basically picturing, because what happens is this rough and tumble guy comes up and starts like prodding at Tam. Your they, sister's a slut. And he's all like, no, this isn't about the Macaulay's. And yeah. Then that's, and then basically what I'm picturing is they stand up and then everybody shuffles away. And then like some sort of like boxing ring just like appears. Like, I know that's not actually what happens, but it's like, it's they done form, that way. They kind of form yeah, one. Like everybody's just like, fight, fight, fight. And the bartender goes out the chain like, okay, I'm going to connect you. Here and then go. he's just like reading off the rules and stuff and it's like is there like some sort of like like board up above like in Deadpool where it has like the odds against that at least would have been interesting like like, they'd flip over like the drinks menu to that yeah and that like yeah a little tip for the authors that's how you make things likable and interesting (laughs) is Will in hiding or not because he's like they're all freaked out that like the like the sticks are like constantly tracking him and stuff like that. But he's going out in public all the time and like even sticks are like walking into no, the bar. No, he's and not, not in hiding. I think it's just more like keeping an eye on him because what's this top soiler gonna do? Is he gonna like basically do what he did here? Like, do you want to go above and like create like a you know rabble, rabble, rabble and and like have because there's more people than sticks. They can just overthrow these douchebags and then you know go like, do you want to stay down here in the mole land? I don't know why you would, but. But <laughs> you can do that, or you can go above where there's pizza. Like <laughs> that's your that's your decision to make. <laughs> but the food down here is vile. It's disgusting. It's living. Yeah, Not, he was eating living. Bu- they were eating living bugs, and Will's just like, I'm gonna vomit. Yeah, like he's trying to this. crawl off his plate, and he's like, No. <laughs> well, he was all like, Oops, there was a mistake, and then sees him eating, goes, Not a mistake. <laughs> I hate this book. But anyway, the gram is all right. The grandma's not, like, fantastic. Either, I like, she's fine. Oh, she, I liked her in the sense that she under You know, she wasn't all, why don't you remember me? Yeah. Will you, you know? She's like, oh my gosh, if you left when you were, like, two, you probably don't or, remember. Yeah, and then being all like, well, what was your fam- What was your topsoil family like? Yeah. And then, like, giving him the opportunity. Like, she recognizes that that is his family because that's who raised him. Right. And that he would probably have feelings for them, and she respects that and lets him talk about that. And I like that no one, like, keeps calling him Seth, because that's, like, his birth name. Right. They're all still... So they're always like, Will, okay, you're Will, that's fine. And uh, I like that they respected that. Yeah. So that was pretty cool, honestly. They could It could have played out a lot differently. Don't really get the deal with Mr. Jerome. It's weird. It's really weird. <laughs> I don't understand it. Maybe he's part of, like, some sort of underground equivalent of, like, the KKK, but instead of hating black people, they hate topsoilers? Oh, okay, cool. So it's like a ham-fisted thing about racism. Yeah. God, I hate that. Yeah, we'll make it be like racism, but having white people hate white people. It'll be exactly like that. See, but like, the white geez. people that hate the other white people are white. They're super white, yeah. 
<laughs> we listened to Michael Bolton. <laughs> I'm sorry, Michael Bolton seems like a nice person. I shouldn't make cracks about him. Chapter 25. Rebecca leaves, Chester says. Chapter 26. <laughs> Should I wait till you're done drinking before I do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, she leaves in an epic way. Like... She, no, I, I do this because I know we're going to talk about okay, it in depth. Okay, 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 um, go ahead. Chapter 26. Cal wakes Will for work. Apparently teenage boys get to dig out boreholes, so Will spends his morning digging in a partially flooded tunnel, which is actually one of the better days he's had down here. After the he dig- gets to dig. After the digging, Will goes back to town and sees Mr. Clark Jr., the theatrical one, <laughs> selling fruits and vegetables to the colonists. There is also a corporalite, a sort of diver-looking fellow watching from the shadows. Also never mentioned again. I just figure some of these things that are just like, put a pin in it because there's going to be more books in this dreadful series. Yes. My only question is, so when this was originally self-published, it mm-hmm. was a standalone book. Maybe this was stuff they put in later. That, that's what I'm wondering. It's tease. possible that they added some stuff in, but if you did that, you made a worse book. Yeah. Yeah, it should be... I don't know. I think Fablehaven did a good job of that. Each each book should have its own standalone story and stuff, and the loose ends that leave don't render the ending of the current book useless. Right. Nobody is surprised by this whole thing, Mr. Clark selling vegetables and all that, except Will, who wonders how many Highfield residents are leading double lives. Mm-hmm. The weeks pass on, and Will becomes more attached to his mole people family. One day, he's <laughs> able to observe a Levant wind. A cloud of dust that rushes up from the lower deeps, followed by a static storm that creates little fireballs everywhere. It's that like actually a, was pretty cool. It's like a Disneyland fireworks display, but with toxic soot. Fun. Chapter 27. Dr. Burroughs B. Cray. Chapter 28. <laughs> Tam alerts Will that Chester is going to be exiled to the deeps the next day. He brings a plan for the two boys to escape through a place called the Eternal City and provides Will with a map and rare node stones, effectively flashbang grenades. The next day, Will takes a series of back tunnels up and past the skull gate, then climbs the wall down. He takes back streets to the police station. He's taken to meet with Chester, then uses his camera flash to blind the officer there and the boys escape. They head to a house with a secret door, and Cal appears there, eager to escape with them. Opening the door releases a stench of ammonia and sets off an alarm, so Will produces a gas mask and ushers the other boys through. Before going in himself, Will hears a voice he did not expect. Chapter 29. It's Rebecca? <laughs> yes, apparently she was a plant for the sticks. Callan will escape. Chester is captured again, and I wish this book didn't have another 120 pages. Okay, how old is Rebecca really? She can't actually be 12. If she ha- like, if she's raised within this family, shouldn't she have some loyalty to them? Wouldn't she have no idea what the sticks is or, like, much about the stick? What? I think she's 12. She mentions at the start, that she would periodically go on vacations for herself. Oh, you're right. And just be gone for a few days. And apparently adults don't question that when a 12-year-old just decides to leave for a few days. Well, not these parents. Right? Okay, because I was just like, that makes no sense. But now that you said that, but when did these vacations start? And why... That's the thing is like I have no idea. Like, so she really she has be... like no loyalty to any of them. Like I can see like why she. It'd be like Will just like well they kind of suck with their my family. They're mine. Right. I just I thought it was like the biggest dumbest reveal in like like anything I'd read in a while. Just wait. Oh sh. <laughs> I guess other than like the leader of like that dark cult being. Oops. Sorry. I won't. <laughs> I won't see what book it is. <laughs> All of our books have dark cults. <laughs> yeah. You know, the Penderwicks. 
Yeah, so the epic way in which Rebecca leaves is she collects up all of Auntie Jean's cigs. Okay, so Auntie Jean is like this chain-smoking lady. Her house is disgusting. They all hate going to her place. And also she, like, drinks quite a bit. So, yeah, Rebecca gathers up all the cigs, throws them in the sink, throws in the alcohol, and just lights it on fire! (laughs) I was like, nice! But she also shatters the pictures of her family, just all like, this family's broken. Yeah. And throws them in. And And then it shows how what a terrible housekeeper Jean is, that, like, when Will and Cal show up later, he finds it on the ground still. (laughs) Yeah. He's given the, the flashbang things. I don't think he uses those. I'm pretty sure he doesn't because I'm pretty sure he gets something from Guy Fox Day and uses that instead, which is just another abandoned plot point. I don't remember. I was trying to get through this. I was so miserable right? that all of my free time was taken up with this terrible book. Yeah. Because um, I had a three-day weekend from school and I had plans that I wanted to watch all of the extended editions of Hobbit and Lord of the Rings this sucked up all my time to be able to do that so in can we just have uh some side episodes of watching all the extended editions and talking about how like even at hobbit's worst moments it's much better than this and yeah how lord of the rings is just legitimately fantastic even when they extend it by another hour yeah sure anything that a nice a palate cleanser after this part three the (sighs) eternal city We're, we're, we're getting we're getting there though yeah we are we're almost done chapter 30 will cal and bartleby the cat Descend through a labyrinth of tunnels and arrive near the edge of the massive eternal city. To hide from the sticks and their bloodhounds, they coat themselves in dark, smelly algae. Cal gives Will some history lessons, such as Tam's belief that different groups have made their homes in the eternal city over the centuries, beginning with the Romans. He also explains that supposedly a group escaped to the topsoil around the time of the underground plague, and this group gave Martineau the idea to build the colony. They pass stealthily through the city, avoiding the sticks and taking in the sights like a twin St. Paul's Cathedral and the calcified remains of criminals. Yeah, Will's like, wow, statues. He goes, those aren't statues. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) Chapter 31. The party finally makes it topside. It's night, and they're right at the edge of the Thames. I think it's Thames. Thames. It's okay. You didn't say Thames, so you're a few steps ahead of the game. (laughs) They progress through London, Cal getting frightened and overwhelmed by the smells, and eventually make it to Will's home. Colonists had been there at one point, according to Cal. They check the house for intruders, then camp out in the living room. Chapter 32. Mr. Jerome and Tam are on trial before the sticks, with the Crawfi and Rebecca present. Mr. Jerome is treated relatively well, and allowed to step down from his council post without further punishment. Tam, because he is suspected to have helped Will and Caleb escape despite no real evidence, has his privileges revoked and is basically put on probation. Tam recognizes Rebecca to be the Crawfi's daughter because they look at each other? Yeah. I don't know, because was, she was like, because they say, like, these are the terms of your thing. Do you understand? He nods. And she steps up and goes, no, do you understand? Are, <laughs> are you then, proud of me, he, daddy? I know. And then she kind of, like, looks at him like, ah. And he's all like, no, good job, bitch. And, he's like, you know? and then he's like, wait, there's two of them? Topsoil, Will and Cal wake up and get ready to move since the sticks will be searching for them. Will reminds Cal that he has to go back to rescue Chester. He goes to the basement and sees the tunnel has been totally filled in. And then is quickly overcome by lightheadedness and a fever. Meanwhile, Chester is taken to meet with a single, very old Styx. The Styx reads Chester a series of charges and proclaims his banishment. Chapter 33. Will and Cal are attacked by Speed and the other bullies on their way to the subway, but that's irrelevant to anything, and they arrive at Auntie Jean's later that day. 
Will awakes three days later after a foreboding dream about his father. After a week of recuperating, the boys prep supplies for heading back to the colony. Another week time skip, and also this is one of the, like, two moments over the course of several months where he realizes, ah, shoot, I should really be going and getting Chester back. Like, he just spends weeks hanging out with his new family, not thinking about his supposed friend at all. Mm-hmm. Ah! Will's a bad friend. Auntie Jean and Bartleby get along really well. <laughs> she, like, knits clothes for the cat and, like, just sits there talking to him. Yeah. Like, he's a person. And he sits there next to her purring. It's actually kind of... One of the few sweet scenes in this book. Like, I, like, liked Jean and the cat. Yeah. She should get her own, like, big monster hairless cat. <laughs> so, as we've established, this book takes place over a long period of time. And when they mm-hmm. finally get up to the surface... Will doesn't even really seem excited about the fact that he's back in his environment or anything. He's just like, all right, we're here. Yeah. Like, I, like... I would understand if he if it was like a couple of days and he's like, I know we have a job to do, but he's literally been without fresh air for months. That would be the equivalent of like, you know, I'd be kissing the ground at that point. Yeah. Sort of thing. Cal is like such a whiny bitch like the whole way and almost wanders off with a molester. Is that who that guy was? Yes. Yeah, this guy's all like, hey, you boys hungry? I'll get you something good. And Cal's like, what do you have? And Will's like, just keep walking. (laughs) This guy's a freak. (laughs) Because they don't teach some stranger danger down under. (laughs) Though they should, I guess. uh, Especially since he comes from such, like, a not militaristic, what is it? It's like, there's a fascist type environment. Yeah. Why is he so trusting of some weird random stranger speaking to them out of the dark? Mm Mm-hmm. And he's always like... Is it, like, hot dogs? You know, like, yeah. really wanting something to eat. Yeah, like, they spend their whole lives kind of uncomfortable because of the sticks always lurking in the corners. Yeah. And then he's just like... <laughs> I know, he should have, like, more, like, distrust. Yeah. And also, oh, I also thought it was funny, like, um, when, he, when he gets up the next morning, like, Will opens the curtains, like, slightly. You know, no, he doesn't want to, like, throw them yeah. open and the neighbors would be all like, that house is supposed to be unoccupied, let's call the police. And then <laughs> Cal and Bart Bart will be like, I, I was like, they're like Mogwai's. From, um, Gremlins. Pray light, pray light! Pray light! <laughs> their response. And then, and then he was like, oh, well, why don't I make some sense and actually look in the freezer? Because that's where bulk of our meals came from. Mm-hmm. And then, then he opens it like, oh, we actually have all these cool meals. And they eat them. And considering Cal was very sensitive to, like, all the smells in the air that we're used to. We mm-hmm. we don't notice the smoke or anything because we're breathing it in all the time. That was a valid and, detail a, to put in. That re- it really was. But then it's all like, well, we're not going to follow that line of line because Cal should have been grossed out by those dinners because right. of how much chemicals and mm-hmm. sodium are in them. And he wouldn't be used to that. So I was like, he would not be gulping this down thinking this is hot shit. He'd be just like, this is disgusting. I don't want to eat this. I hate everything about here. And he probably wouldn't have liked drinking the water either, because it would be, like, chemically treated. Does London chemically treat their water? I would assume so. Most cities do. Yeah. So you think he would be sensing that as well, because taste and smell are very closely linked yeah. s- senses. So I thought that was, like, an inconsistency, and it irritated me. Yeah. But showers are awesome. When he's all like, we're going to take showers, he goes, what are showers? So I was like, oh, you're going to love this. Because <laughs> since it doesn't seem like they bathe down there. It wasn't addressed. It didn't seem like they did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and the random bully attack. Yeah, that totally just, random. It was so random. And then, like, it just got fixed up. Cause, what took Bartleby so long to jump in? Right? Well, he's like, do you guys got this? Well, hang on a second. He's, like, licking himself, and he's like, okay. 
We should probably mention that Bartleby is really big. Like, he's not just, like, regular He's the size, size of a dog. Yeah. Like, people are all like, like oh, wow, your dog looks like weird. solid like, size That's because he's a cat. <laughs> <laughs> I want this freaking cat, though. This cat is amazing. And I especially loved, like, the dumb clothes they had to throw together for him. And then, like, put the hat on with the sunglasses. They put sunglasses on a cat. <laughs> it was like, I, that was, again, one of, the, one of the few times where I was just like, this is fun. And it's just because of the cat. Can we just, like, remove all the characters? And it's just Bartleby. <laughs> yeah i'd I'd like so uh uh, will has the this uh strange malady and is unconscious for three entire days because they just pick random time frames to throw out and don't think much of it so they try to explain it by saying that auntie jean is like not that into like quacks or however she describes doctors but it's like if teenagers unconscious for three full days, that's bad. Call the cops. You cost. should, yeah. <laughs> like they're call an the ambulance. Yeah, Cal's like, uh, Will d- d- doesn't want to go see a doctor, and she's like, oh, okay. And it's like no. he doesn't get to make that decision. No, <laughs> call nine nine nine. That's what they have there. So nine one one. If you didn't know that, yeah. Uh, and then also when they're walking through London, somebody like looks at them like, where do you think they're from? It's like, obviously not around here. They must have come here on the back of a truck or something. Yeah, let's throw in some really gross, uh, this is why Brexit happened. Because of people with attitudes like this. Also, (laughs) where exactly could they have come from on the back of a truck besides another part of England? Right. (laughs) They're (laughs) an island. If it was America, it'd be like, it'd be like, oh, so they're just racist against Mexicans. But here it's just like, like a few blocks down the road. Like from Wales? (laughs) What are we talking about here? (laughs) Wait, is Wales connected or is that actually disconnected? Did they come in from Scotland? Scotland's at least connected. Uh, I think the two Irelands are the only ones disconnected. Okay. They came from um, Cornwall. <laughs> like, <laughs> where the hell did they come from? <laughs> they couldn't. Well, they couldn't have got there from the Isle of Wight, because that's actually an island. <laughs> they couldn't have come from the Outer Hebrides, because, again, they would have to come on a boat. <laughs> Racist people are dumb. Super. <laughs> <laughs> But right. again, that's attitudes like that. That's why bre- Brexit happened. I almost said breakfast. That's, <laughs> that's why, why breakfast, breakfast happened because of racism. <laughs> they're like, well, it couldn't be that bad because breakfast is pretty good. <laughs> Are you ready to finish this up? Oh, yes, okay. indeed. Chapter 34. The boys wait until the tide goes out to make their return trip at the river entrance. When they reach the Eternal City, they see it covered in a thick fog. They slowly make their way through and encounter a large group of sticks. Will uses firecrackers to disorient the sticks while he and Cal run. They escape, but are confronted by one of the sticks' tracker dogs. It latches onto Will, but Will is saved by the savage entrance of Bartleby. The boys escape again, but without Bartleby. Suddenly, they are snatched up by a pair of very strong arms. Chapter 35. It's Tam! That's basically how I did it in my notes, too. Like, they're grabbed by Tam. (laughs) He and his friend Amago guide the boys through the fog, but are stopped by the crawfly. Tam's machetes face off against the crawfly's sides, and Tam just barely wins. However, a mass of sticks appear. Tam gives Will a mysterious amulet and prepares to hold off the sticks. Imago takes the boys away while Tam stays behind. Chapter 36. Imago and the boys make it far away from the sticks and rest up. Imago treats Will's bite and goes over their two options, escape topsoil or head into the deeps. Cal refuses to return to the surface, so they plan to go deeper. Will recognizes the symbol on Tam's amulet as the one encountered in the labyrinth of tunnels on his way in. Mago gives Will a piece of Dr. Burroughs' journal that he found, which reinvigorates Will. Will remembers Chester again, and Mago cryptically suggests that he will be safe. Chapter 37, Chester is publicly shamed, then loaded onto the train to be exiled. 
Below, Imago helps the boys jump onto a passing train heading for the deeps, which just so happens to be the train Chester's on. Will and Chester are reunited, heading for adventure, and this book is stupid. He's just thrown under a freaking tarp. He's not even guarded. That's so... Why? And why are they sending watermelons and light bulbs to this area? Right? I don't get it. And then <laughs> and then the epilogue. Imago, living above ground as Reggie, is poisoned by Rebecca, who has more killing to do. Boo. Hiss. This sucked. <laughs> Boo? Not even that. <laughs> it's just full-on boo. God, this sucks so much ass. Look, I hate this book. The backpack, doesn't it look like a face? Yeah, a it does. And... Yeah, it does. <laughs> but I like that drawing. Here is a drawing I don't like because of how poorly done the dog's mouth especially is. Oh, I hated that. It looks so amateurish. <laughs> so they're in this foggy town, which okay, again- Okay, was the, a natural fog or did the sticks create that fog? I feel like they did. Because it wasn't there before. Right. And then, then like they get to this area like, oh, it's clear. And yeah. then that's where all the sticks are just like waiting. Yeah. Oh, mama, I'm in fear of my life. <laughs> How great would that scene be in the stop motion movie playing that song? And then like uh, more step up at that. Boom, boom, boom. Like I was like. <laughs> it's like a West Side Story meets like. And then when they fran- frantically run, that, that's at the. the yeah, the jig is stop up. The news is out. They finally found me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i like the stop motion movie i made up in my head that's kind of based on this it's like when they did how to train your dragon and they just kind of used the title and some of the characters and then made a far better story they need to do that with this yeah because there's something here there's like a nugget of something it actually somewhere on one of the copies of the book uh it says like feature film coming soon or something it's still oh. not coming it's been over a decade yeah it's in what's it called production hell yeah but anyway, so they're in the Eternal City, which is the thing I was talking about where they go in and they just kind of look and it's like, there were columns and lots of big buildings and that was all they said. And I'm like, this is your big reveal. This is a cool city that's been here for like 2,000 years. Aren't you going to mm-hmm. talk about it? Yeah. And they don't really. I guess because we're told it from Will's perspective and Will's getting sick. So he's kind of just plodding along. It's like, I feel terrible. Because he, they only have one gas mask between the two of them. Because Cal's showing up, really screwed up their escape thing. Yeah. And if he hadn't, I bet the, him and Chester could have gotten away and they would have been fine. So Cal ruined it with his selfishness. Except there are a couple points in this book where they forget that it's supposed to be a third person limited. And they switch over to other people's point of view for like part of one I paragraph. I hate that. It's so, it's so, like, it, That's so amateur, yeah. Consistency. Consistency is key. But anyway, so they go down to the Eternal City. And they encounter the sticks and they run away and he sets off a bunch of fireworks to try and disorient the sticks. I feel like fireworks would be the best way to track somebody. I was thinking that too. It's like, yeah, this is where we are. We're going this way. <laughs> Rather than like, I get that it's like, oh, it'll blind them. It'll like be yeah. disorienting. It's like, no, they're just like, oh, it's, okay, it's over there. They're just over setting there. off flare guns. Yeah. I want like an outline for this. And then, like, I wish they'd, they'd, like, I don't know, this is our idea. And they pitch it to a better author. Like, Neil Gaiman tackling this would have been so much better. Right? A secret world and, like, an outsider joining it is, like, so his, like, yeah. he, it's, like, every I mean, book he's written has even, been that. Even if you're not talking, like, major award-winning authors, I can think of a good handful of YA authors that I've really enjoyed that would handle this so much better. Well, particularly with, like, the um, whole, like, world-building I feel like Neil Gaiman does that well, but but he kind of already did an underground world in Neverwhere, so he wouldn't want to go to the same... Oh, yeah. Wouldn't want to fish at the same thing twice. I don't know, give it to Holly. Holly right? Black could have done it. <laughs> <laughs> and the characters would have been so likable. You would have been, like, getting upset about the dog attacking Will. I was just like, okay, 
get on with it. Yeah. Go for his throat or shut up. I don't care. So Tam appears to save them and gets in this fight with the crawfly, which, by the way, page 434 out of 472 is the cover art. That's supposed to be the crawfly, even though he doesn't have a dog and he's not really standing at the end of a tunnel. Oh, yeah, I guess that is the crawfly. Yeah. And then that's the eternal city behind him. Yes. Um, so they fight, Tam is like mortally wounded, and then yeah. he stays behind to fend off the sticks. Okay? If he's like barely standing and you have a hundred sticks, you just say, ignore him and follow the yes! guys. That wouldn't provide any that wouldn't sort do of cover. Anything. <laughs> I was like, I don't I don't think that's gonna help. And you guys are probably should move a lot. Faster. He's not he's not Boromir. Like no. Boromir could hold off like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, he did and he was mortally wounded but kept going. Yeah. So he could save the two little hobbitses, but even then he didn't really succeed because they still get carried away. Spoilers for Lord of the Rings. It's been out forever. If you haven't seen it in, by now, there's something wrong with you. Right? <laughs> yeah, he's not he's not Boromir. He thinks he's Boromir. I kinda liked Tam though. Yeah. Not a whole lot, because I don't like anyone in this book a whole lot except for Bartleby. <laughs> I almost said Bartholomew. So, I don't remember who says, I think it's Imago, tells Will that Tam just killed the Crawfly, who is Rebecca's father. And Will's immediate response is, why is that important? Forgetting, one, the whole reason he did this was to go after his own father, and two, any moron can piece together that you're gonna have some sort of, like, vengeance for whoever killed your dad. Yeah, he's responsible been oh, no! Yeah! She's really gonna double down. Why would anybody care about their father? And she's the most efficient person I know! (laughs) And then he's, like, four pages later, he's talking about how he still has to go after his dad, and he's like, my dad is all I have left, and I wrote, remember when you had a mother? (laughs) He just keeps forgetting it. Like, I can understand, but, like, she was still technically? I mean, whatever. And then, yeah, on the train. What if they just had this story... Just excise the mom. She's not a character. Okay. It's just the doctor and then the two kids. Wouldn't it make a little bit more sense to have Rebecca being yes. like mom junior rather than... I feel like that would have been better. Yeah. It would have been more But then why is a single tropes. man adopting two children? Considering what the, what these people are like, I think adopting two kids is weird. Yeah. Um, Especially since they're not even siblings. They would have adopted them at different times. So... It doesn't make sense. <laughs> Until you tell me the spoilers, I guess. Yeah, so the the last thing I want to touch on is that they reunite and Chester is just so ecstatic to see Will and is so excited to go on an adventure. I'd have punched him! Yeah, I would, I would just throw him off the train. Hey, asshole! <laughs> <laughs> I would have taken one of those bulbs, shoved it up his ass, and thrown him off the train. Just, and, and, then, and then just stand there and be like, Chester, Chester, I'm drawn! While Cal's just in the watermelons, like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so that's book one of six. Oh, there's five more yes no uh-uh this is more shit i think this is the shortest one too no i'm not kidding this felt like years I've, i couldn't remember a time where i wasn't reading this dog crap oh my god i hated this book i don't give out one star ratings for books very often yeah you have to really upset me while i'm reading it yeah. For me to do that, because I'll do two. It's just like, yeah. you know, I kept reading, so I guess it wasn't that Right, because it has two. to be a mix of, I don't think the writing is particularly competent, and not only did I not enjoy it, I felt actively insulted by what I was reading. Right. Like, it, it goes beyond, this isn't my cup of tea. Yes, exactly. It's, you poisoned my tea. You poisoned my tea. <laughs> and then they couldn't get the cup out of my hand. Like, it would go with the, with the bowl. 
So uh, after I finished the book, I was organizing some stuff at home and I saw that I had a hardcover copy back when I thought that I would have liked it. And I was just like, well, just made some space. <laughs> right. You, do you have any more of the books in the series? No. Where you weren't dumb enough to do that? That's no. good. Good. Because um, I think I had that hardcover from like back when it first came out and I was like, oh, that seems like something I would want to read, which it, with some significant changes in staffing and concept, I could have liked. As it stands, no. One other thing, this happened at like 11 a.m. today. Yeah. We got an email. Oh. Hi there. Congrats. Your show caught our eye and we featured it in our list of best podcasts about YA literature. We're excited about your podcast and want to shine a spotlight on your hard work. And if you click on the link. Is it a joke? No. We are actually featured in an article on radiopublic.com about YA literature podcasts. No way. Oh my gosh. First drafts, adventures, cast of wonders, bookmark. Hello, fellow kids. Hosts Mar and Josh self-described totally young and hip kiddos dive headfirst into the role of young adult and teen literature. And then they linked the schooled episode. I think that was like the most recent recent one. at the time. Yeah. But like, someone noticed. (laughs) That's wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you for the shout out and for linking us. That's so wonderful. Yeah, that's, that's honestly more than I ever expected out of this project. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we're just doing it entirely for fun. So. Oh, I like other people's titles for theirs. Go your own YA. That's that's cute. I like yeah. that one. The first draft. Oh, she first draft. They read Holly Black. I'm gonna have to listen to some of those. I hope they love uh, Holly Black as much as I do. Yeah. I became such a huge fan of hers after like Dollhouse. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so great. <laughs> okay, so we don't have to keep making comments like no one listens. <laughs> Based anyway. on the number of episodes, also ours is probably the youngest of them. All of these are in, like, hundreds of episodes, or at least in, like, 30-ish. Oh, wow. So even if they're doing weekly on 30s, they're not too much younger than ours is. So, cool. <laughs> That's super cool. Um, yeah. Thank you for recognizing us. I really yeah. appreciated it. Um, so thanks to Libby. and Thank you, Libby. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to do it for this month. Would you like to hear some spoilers for the rest of the series? Sure. Do we have to say bye? Bye, everybody. This has been Hello, Fellow Kids, hosted (laughs) by Josh and Mara and edited by Josh. The music was provided by Ben Ash. Visit him on... um, At benash.com. Contact us at hfkpodcast at gmail.com or Twitter, hfkpodcast. And we are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and SoundCloud. SoundCloud. One other thing, for next month we are going to be reading All the Lovely Bad Ones by Mary Downing Hahn. So if you guys want to read that ahead of the next episode, feel free to, and we will see you then. It's a ghost story. It'll be fun. Ooh. We will not be angry at one. We we have both read books by her. She is her. a legit good author. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. So, spoilers. I don't have which books these happen in. I just wrote them down in the just order. Just a general outline. All right. So, Chester dies. No! Yeah. Oh, after... He's the reason they went back. Yep. Oh, that's, that makes me as mad as when dies in the right? Hunger Games. What was the whole point of any of it? Yeah.
But to be fair, in the Hunger Games, they had something to say about the pointlessness of violence. Okay, but no. (laughs) Whether or not it's effective, but I can understand where they might have tried to go with that. There's no... I think Bartleby also dies, but I didn't write it down. I assumed he had. It turns out that both parents were under the Darklight influence this whole time from like 10, 12, 14 years ago. Oh. And the Wait, only what? the only reason Dr. Burroughs found the colony was because the sticks willed him to. Which at first is almost like, okay, that explains why two people would be together even though they shouldn't be together and why they have kids even though they wouldn't adopt kids. Right? But then you're like, why would that be their plan? Yeah. Just bring him back down below. The kid? That's what... Why raise him on... What sense is that? That makes no sense! Is that what the face you wanted me to, wanted to see? Yeah. <laughs> we're not done yet. <laughs> Rebecca is twins. There are two Rebeccas that were alternating. What? There are two Rebeccas. Rebecca 1 and Rebecca 2. They're not named that. They can't be named that. Yeah. I mean, at least on the wiki, they're referred to as Rebecca 1 and Rebecca 2. Rebecca 1 ends up dying in the second to last book, and Rebecca 2 is on a vengeance streak after that. Oh, because she wasn't before? Yeah. Um, they <laughs> they want to infect Topsoil with a virus that is emitted only by plague snails that live in the Eternal City. Okay, if you do that, poison seeps down into the earth, so it would affect you too. Mrs. Tantromi is a Styx agent. Oh, of course. Yeah. Dr. Burroughs' journal is published as The Highfield Mole, the original name for this novel, and is considered a children's book instead of a serious scholarly work. So this book exists in this book series. Well, how, where do they end up living? Because Will hates it under the ground, Cal hates it up above. I don't know, they introduce a whole bunch of new characters, but let me, let me give you the last one, okay? There's more? The series ends with the revelation that the center of the earth actually contains its own world with its own sun, and by replacing a scepter in a tower there, they activate earth, which was actually a spaceship that got... Uh, moved out of its own path and ended up stuck in our solar system, and by placing the scepter back in, it is now rerouted to go back to its home. Fuck that. That's stupid. Also, no, Will... No, no more. Will is implanted with eggs and may now be a Styx. What? They grow them? I don't... What? Yeah, I guess I guess there's like a, a female group of, of, of Styx that, that create them by implanting them. This so that's how bad. it ends. It ends with Earth being a spaceship. This is, this is the worst dreck I've ever read and I'm glad we're not reading anymore that is baloney I I'm so angry right now I went to four f-bombs rather than three <laughs> how did it get published why did it why did it just stay self-published because it should just be self-published freaking hollow earth spaceship hollow earth spaceship <laughs> which science in this how <sighs> no i i hate this i hate everything about it i i think one star is too generous now i want zero stars <laughs> they owe me stars is how much i hate this <laughs> are we done